And I'll invite everybody else to open up their Bibles to the book of Ephesians. And I'll draw your attention just one more time uh, to the handout that we gave you, because on the one side, it shows uh, the various uh, ministries that we're supporting today. And on the other side, it lists our upcoming opportunities to study as a congregation with small groups, a resource together called Evangelism as Exiles. And this book was written by somebody who grew up in the Copley area, but then lived abroad for a period of seven years and was a missionary in a country where there was not a lot of freedom to be a missionary. And so uh, a good amount of his work, excuse me, a good amount of his work and his family's work was to be a witness uh, in an environment where the majority of people did not believe like him uh, and there wasn't freedom to just invite people to church or to lead a Bible study in their home. There was a constant threat of persecution for them in leading studies or for anybody from the neighborhood to come and join them in that. And so the book is actually written under a pen name because uh, Elliot Clark is the author's name. As he tells stories about the work that he did, his goal was to not put anybody at risk uh, as he shared stories about from his experience there. And so uh, we've been emailing in our weekly newsletter a PDF of this book. So if you want to read it on a tablet or a phone, uh, it's been given away for free. uh, And so we've been linking that in our newsletter. And then we also have physical copies of the book that uh, if you're able to attend any one of the men's studies, women's studies, adult Bible studies, young adult Bible studies, you'll get a physical copy of the book to go through it uh, now starting this week. And for the month of September and the first few weeks of October, uh, the book works through uh, the first Peter in the New Testament. And so uh, we're just taking this at the beginning of the school year as an opportunity for our youth group to all of our uh, groups that meet throughout the week uh, to go through the same resource together uh, uh, for this next month. And if you can participate in that, we invite you to do so. The various contact information is there. And if you can't participate but just want to read along with the resource that everybody else is reading, again, we can get you an electronic version of it or a hard copy. But I'll pray, and then we'll read from the book of Ephesians. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that we have this amazing opportunity gathered here in Akron, Ohio, to be exposed to uh, through relationships uh, that we have and friendships and partnerships to things that are happening throughout the world. That we thank you that when you look down upon us, you see each and every one of us here, you know our needs, you know our struggles, uh, you see the difficulties uh, that we face, but you are everywhere uh, around the world, that you are not bound by time and space like we are, and so your mind and your heart is always on everyone. And we just thank you for that because we acknowledge our limitations that we can't do that. We have to focus on certain tasks and in certain times and can't keep track of so much that is going on across the world. But we thank you for the window that each of us got today in good work that is happening in Ukraine and in West Africa and in Serbia uh, and our opportunity to see updates of how things are going uh, and what uh, new needs might exist going forward. And we just thank you that your, your heart is large enough for all of it. And so we pray that you would uh, pour out that same spirit upon us. Help us to love what you love. Help our hearts to break for what breaks yours. Uh, and help us to be available to whatever you would call us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
So we're in uh, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 15 to 21. We've been in a series entitled The New Life as we've been anticipating uh, today's uh, special activities. And there's a a short section in this letter from uh, chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, until what we're going to conclude with today, where Paul describes what it is that we're supposed to experience in a new life in God. And that new life is not just a transformation that is supposed to happen for us individually, but it gives us a new set of relationships with other people. And so that's how, if we would have started in chapter one, Paul had laid out and described that uh, because of what Christ has done for us and because salvation comes to all of us as a gift, whether we were Jew or Gentile, whatever our background was, male or female, slave or free, if salvation is a gift for us all, then salvation has also broken down the barriers that have for so long kept us apart, male and female, slave and free, Jew and Gentile. And so that's what he goes on to say in chapter two, that this grace has torn down the wall that was separating us, and it allows us to have new life together, new life with people that aren't like us, that don't always believe or think the same way that we do, but when we together encounter Christ when we together realize how much we need him, we can have ways of caring about one another and experiencing what he has for us. So here we are in chapter five, verses 15 to 21. It reads, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that concludes our reading for this morning. Last week, Paul had left off in encouraging all of us to walk in love, i.e. not just to do occasionally something loving and occasionally make an offering or a gift to things, but make your whole way of life, something that you walk around in, to be the loving way that first our Heavenly Father has loved us in Christ, to make love an ordinary habit of how people would actually describe us All of us can occasionally do one thing or another, good or bad, but it's what we do regularly over a period of time that then would cause people to describe us as having an overall character. And so what they say about us, that's a really loving person. It doesn't mean you never make a mistake, uh, it doesn't mean you never have to say sorry, but it means on the whole, people can observe about you that you're caring, that you're kind, that if they have a need, you would be someone who would desire to help them. And so Paul had told all of us to walk around in love. And now his admonition to us is to then look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And so lest we think that love is just this automatic thing, that like you're just gonna know what to do and it's, it's easy to do. No, 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 we need lots of wisdom for how to do it. 
And, and it's not always how to do it, but when to do it and what the right timing is to do it. And so uh, part of the description that comes in this uh, section is for Paul to say that all of us need to know what the will of the Lord is. He says, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Uh, that there's an aspect of God's will that's not supposed to be a mystery for us. There are so many things that are, are, if you're in that phase where you're in high school and you're wondering like, what college should I go to or what major should I think about maybe pursuing or career or where should I live? I mean, many times those are the sort of subjects that come in our mind when we say, man, what is God's will for me? Where does he want me to go to college? Who might he want me to be in a dating relationship with for marriage? Or where might he want me to live? And we'll kind of come to God with those questions. And if you have them right now, you've experienced what many of us in the room has, which it isn't always clear. <laughs> you don't know. If you talk to a couple different people, you might hear a few different ideas for what those things should be. But there are things that we can say clearly for each and every one of us this is God's will for us. And that's a place where I got to in my own life where I realized I ignore so many times the things that God has already made clear to me that he wants me to do. Why do I think if he even told me those things, I'd actually do them, right? If he just made it super clear to say, this is where you're supposed to live and this is what you're supposed to study in school. Because there are so many other things that he's otherwise made as clear as day, the simplest of minds and the youngest of hearts can understand them. But it's more of a struggle in my own life and daily obedience to actually do them. And I'd say, I think if you feel that way too, that just makes you normal. <laughs> uh, that we all struggle to do even the things that we believe and know are right to do. But he still wants us to know them, to know what his will is. That for so much of life that is a mystery and is a puzzle, that there are things that we are supposed to know. And one of the things that he wants us to know, his will for us is to grow in wisdom. He wants us to be growing in wisdom. And sometimes when we can think of someone who is wise, we can think of them as already having all the answers. And the only person in scripture that's presented as ever having all the answers is God. For everybody else, wisdom is something we grow in over time. And he desires that, that whatever we're going through, are we open to the possibility that God can make us smarter, better, more kind, more forgiving over time that we can grow in wisdom? Uh, when so much of our effort and focus is on accomplishing certain tasks, like this is what I have to get done today or this is what I have to get done this week, you can go through the week and feel a sense of, Accomplishment, like I got it all done, or a sense of failure because your to-do list still is overwhelming. But if we start off with a different set of expectations to say, I'm not trying to think about all the things I can get done. What I want to be open to is all the things that God wants to get done in me with this week ahead. Like, what is God trying to do to me and help me learn and grow in? well, then actually you can learn that just as much from what you accomplish and what you fail to accomplish this week. <laughs> from what goes really well and what you realize isn't going so well and you have to hit the pause button and say, I think I messed this up. I don't, I don't think this is going well. God can grow us in wisdom through all of those different experiences. And if we're open to it, that's his desire for us. 
He is not telling us to gather together to say somehow we can all get all the information we need and we just won't mess up this week. Like, no, that's not what we come together to do. We worship him, we look to him, and as we continue to look to him, we say, how can we, with whatever's gonna come our way, grow in wisdom? So that he does desire that by the next week and the week after and the year after, there is this sense that as his children, we're growing, we're maturing. Uh, We're able, not just when we hear a beautiful hymn sung, be still, my soul, and know that the Lord is on your side. That we can increasingly not just hear that and be moved, but then when someone isn't singing it around us, that we can remember it and say, wait a minute, I need to remember that God has determined that he is gonna guide the future just as he has the past. And I need to remember that because this day is not going like I was hoping. (laughs) I am not getting done the things I thought I would get done. It doesn't seem like people are listening in the way that I was hoping to. Uh, And all the different kinds of frustrations that can come up in any given day or any given week, we can know that the will of God for us as his children is to keep growing in wisdom. And so if we go back to the book of Proverbs, that's how it describes wise people. Wise people are the people who love to learn. That they're just always willing to learn. Wise people are not the ones who think they know it all and have nothing left to learn. Wise people are the ones who say, there's still a lot I don't know. For everything I know, and I think I'm knowing more and more, there's still so much I don't know. And so just having this posture of willing to learn talk to other people, discover things that you might not have encountered before, is the will of God for us to be open to constantly growing and constantly maturing. Because if you're sitting here and you're saying, however long you've been a Christian, if you said, I've been a Christian for six months or I've been a Christian for 30 years, and you think you, have, you already are supposed to have achieved the best there is, you'll just feel this weight of failure. Of like, no, I still struggle with things. I still don't know so much. And if that's the expectation you have, then it'll feel like a weight rather than our loving Heavenly Father saying, look, my will for you is be careful. Don't be foolish. Do what's wise, but keep growing in wisdom. Be open to being more mature, better and stronger, faster at whatever it is that God is asking for us. And so he's encouraging us to do that. And one of the things he then tells us to avoid, he says, so do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. I think what Paul is saying here doesn't apply only to wine, but the sense of we know where wisdom does not come from. (laughs) Don't with the stress of life, with the failures in life, with the uncertainties that come, don't do what so many people do, which is to numb themselves so that they can just check out and stop feeling and stop thinking. Don't do that. That is not where wisdom will come from. And that temptation is around us. When Paul says these days are evil, uh, I think part of what he's alluding to is there's just, there is temptation all around us. There are evil opportunities for every one of us to take advantage of. And when we get overwhelmed by life, whether it's through grief or through sorrow, through pain, through uncertainty, all of us can find ways to check out 
And Paul is saying, no, we need to pursue wisdom as sober-minded, clear thinking as we can get. For some, they, they might characterize believers as sort of those who've buried their heads in the sand and aren't open to new information. But scripture regularly tells us, both in our Old Testament uh, and in the New Testament, worship is never done by God by losing control of our minds. And there's a bunch of religions where that's actually what you do in worship. You drink something or smoke something and do something so that you basically lose control over your mind and your thinking. That is not true in scripture. We are always in our worshiping of God to be sober-minded, clear thinking, aware and open to everything that's in front of us. Not running from the pain or the sorrow, not minimizing it, but trying to find healthy ways to handle it, healthy ways to go through it so that those things don't cause us to then take on behaviors that will only lead us further away from a healthy relationship with God and a healthy relationship with other people. And so those are the temptations we're supposed to resist. None of us will get wiser if we lose control of our thoughts and our actions, right? And you know that socially as you interact with people uh, that uh, if they don't pay attention to that principle and they are choosing to intoxicate themselves. I mean, I usually just move on because I have this sense of, you're not gonna remember anything I'm saying and this isn't very fun. I, maybe you think it's fun. It's not fun for me. And I just, there's a, there's a limitation to what you sense you can accomplish because progress is made on the truth. And Jesus said, it's the truth ultimately that will set us free. So when we lose our ability to discern what is true and right and good, we cut off and we, we minimize our opportunities to actually grow in wisdom. Progress can't be made on a lie. Progress can't be made on deception. Maturing, growing, strengthening happens as we remain clear, as we remain honest. Even honest about the things that we don't know and so again, where none of us become the experts or the know-it-alls, but none of us is trying to take another person down by saying really the only way to handle this is to completely check out. We need all hands on deck because the days are evil. We need everybody thinking their best thoughts. We need them studying more, learning, remembering well what they can remember so that we don't lose the gift of wisdom that we have in the shared experience of life together. And so growing in wisdom is avoiding those things and in, in not doing those things, what are we supposed to fill ourselves up with? He says, we'll worship with scripture. Fill our minds with scripture. If we want to grow in wisdom, part of that growing in wisdom is growing in the wisdom that has already been passed down through the ages. To not assume that wisdom just starts with us that we somehow are now the people that have just figured it all out. <laughs> and we know exactly what to do. But that other people have lived life before us. They've struggled with things before us. They've struggled with how God could allow things to happen and, and, and how do you understand this or that. And when we realize the gift that scripture is, what we're embracing is the opportunity to learn from the wisdom of other people, from people that have gone before us. But he says, not just to worship, not just to read scripture, there's a reason it says worshiping with scripture. 
because if we read it just like a textbook to gain information, it's possible to read the story of Joseph and read the story of Daniel and read about Jesus and just say, oh, that's interesting, and move on. But that's not what he says. He says, as you share it with one another, address one another in spiritual songs and in uh, psalms and expressing thanksgiving. In other words, have like a party, like get around and you need this to be sung to you and you need to join in the singing of it and the praying of it so that it gets on the inside so that you remember it when nobody else is singing it to you or nobody else is reading it to you. And so if we worship with the scripture, then we have it to draw upon in our lives and hearts, to draw out of us as we then want to share with others. So it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we get the words in us through repetition, through memory, right? So many companies know this in advertising and marketing, right? They usually come up with a slogan or two and then they repeat that over and over again so that it just sticks in your head who they're thinking about. One of the ones that cracks me up at the moment is anytime our youngest son, David, he's about to turn four, but he just hears the question, what's in your wallet? <laughs> he has the best answer, nothing. <laughs> I'm like, you're right, which today is not a collection for my son. So nobody is, uh, he, he has more than he needs, uh, but he just has this ready-made response anytime he hears the question, what's in your wallet? Nothing. Why are you here? What's the answer to that? Why does anything you or I do matter? What's the answer to that? Where are you and I going? Like, what's the point of it all? If we know God's will, there is an answer to each of those questions. For everything else that is unclear and uncertain about why things happen, we can know if we speak and sing and pray scripture to one another why we're here, why everything we do matters, and where it is that we're going. And that's the call of missionaries to help other people who also can answer those questions to come to answers to those questions. That when they feel abandoned and left out and the world doesn't care for them anymore, for somebody to say, there is a God who has made you, there is a God who loves you, and there is a God who is prepared to welcome you into his eternal embrace. And you can know why you're here, you can know why every day matters, and you can know where you're going. And so that's why we care about missions because we are one, the result of it. Somebody cared enough to tell us about that. And would God use us to help tell other people that same thing? And then lastly, in almost a surprising way, in verse 21, I don't know if it was surprising to you, but there's this kind of flow to making melody in your hearts and giving thanks for everything. And then verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And you're almost like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> well, it's everything. He's saying that as we pursue wisdom, and if we believe there's wisdom in Scripture from the ages, and if we're thanking God in Scripture, one of the things as we recite Scripture together that it will always draw us to is to community with one another. That as God draws us closer to himself, he draws us closer to each other. 
that we're part of a body, we're part of a family. We aren't supposed to try to do this alone. And so we're supposed to submit to one another and the needs and the concerns of one another in community. That the more we observe someone say they don't listen to anyone and they don't need anyone, most of us are like, that is not a healthy person. If you think you can do this all on your own and all in your own strength, there's nobody here is high-fiving you. They're saying, what? No, don't, please don't. We need more than ourselves to live out the will of God for us. We need community, we need accountability, we need each other. And so we are supposed to have this posture of desiring to submit to one another, which is to commit ourselves to each other, to care about one another. I don't know when your bad day will be, but you're gonna need somebody. And you don't know when my bad day is gonna be, but I'm gonna need somebody. And that's true of all of us. And so this new life that we have in Christ is supposed to be this new life where rather than only looking out for our own interests, we commit to something larger than ourselves and say, we care about the interests of others. We care about their needs. And whenever we can come alongside and support them, we want to. And whenever we're the ones who need them, we're not afraid to say, hey, I need help. And would you be able to help me? That's submitting to one another in Christ. And it's the will of God for us, the way that we pursue wisdom together. And it's what if we're committed to worshiping with scripture, it will regularly encourage us to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift that just a few short verses can speak so much truth uh, for us. And we acknowledge that there are evil days. There are constant temptations around us. And just like you taught us to pray, to be delivered from temptation, that we wouldn't be led into it and that we'd be able to resist evil, that you've also given us resources for how to do that. You've given us the grace of your word and all the truth that it speaks to us. And you've given us the friendship of each other, the ability to know and be known and to be accountable in meaningful ways. And so we pray that you would help us to embrace that, that we could receive the gift of new life that salvation brings for us and that it, how it enables us to have new relationships with those around us. Father, we just thank you for all that you do you are worthy of our worship. And we just pray that you'd be blessed in our building community with one another and playing games and enjoying a barbecue and just having time to talk and fellowship, that all of this would be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing.